Welcome to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. We're your hosts, Tim and Ruth Olson, licensed marriage and family therapists and trauma experts. We provide wisdom for personal growth and healthy relationships. Stick with us and you'll gain practical tools and insights that will help you be a healthier and happier you. Hey everyone, welcome back. We're very excited to have you here today. If you haven't already, join our Facebook group. We have a link down in the description and we'd love to hear from you if you have any questions or any topics you'd like us to answer. Please feel free to ask us in that group, and we might even turn it into a podcast episode. So we're continuing on our series of depression. In the first episode, we talked about major depressive disorder and just the diagnostic criteria of that to help you understand depression. Then the next episode, we dove a little bit deeper into the different types of depression. So if you haven't already listened to those, go back and listen to those, and then we'll see you back here in a bit. So depression definitely has social and behavioral symptoms associated with it. Some of the things that are very commonly associated with it, but are not necessarily a part of the diagnostic criteria, are withdrawals from social activities and hobbies that you once enjoyed. And a part of this happens because you stop enjoying them, and then that causes you to start withdrawing from those activities because, well, why bother? Also because you don't have the energy. And so if you don't have the energy, plus you tend to have a lack of enjoyment when you do engage into them, it causes you to be disinterested in that. Now, part of the difficulty with that is that you don't feel the motivation to go out and enjoy those social activities, but then when you don't engage in them, then you preclude yourself from any possibility of enjoying it. And so that's a part of the thing with depression too, is that you're not going to feel the same way all the time. And so if you went out once and didn't enjoy it, maybe the next day or the day after or a week later, you might go out and enjoy it. And then going out and enjoying those activities can help you to feel better. But it's so tough because you go out and you learn this lesson. Oh, I didn't have fun and I don't have the energy to. So now I'm not going to. Right. So when we feel depressed, we want to pull away from people and we isolate. But oftentimes that is actually the exact opposite of what we need. And a lot of times then pulling away causes us to go deeper and deeper into the depression. So part of it is really knowing yourself and knowing Not what you necessarily feel at that moment, but what will help you and what you need. Because it is absolutely okay to say no to things and to pass up on things. So it really is that balance of knowing when social interaction is too much and may increase your symptoms or knowing when withdrawing and being isolated is going to increase your symptoms and figuring out which one at this moment will be beneficial for you. And I think a key factor in understanding, too, or differentiating between is just I want to stay home or need to stay home or be good for me to stay home, or I'm staying home because I cannot drag myself out of the house. So that leads right into the next one, how depression really can affect our relationships. Many people are withdrawing from families and friends and leads to feelings of isolation. And it doesn't really matter if you're the one who's withdrawing. You're still going to feel isolated like nobody wants to be around you. Especially when you're feeling depressed, you're much more likely to latch on to a negative belief system, even if the facts don't measure up to that. If you're feeling depressed, you may even have friends who are regularly trying to contact you and regularly trying to connect with you and get you to come out and hang out, but then you just still feel isolated and disconnected, and then it's easy for your brain to give you this narrative of nobody wants you, nobody wants to be around you, nobody cares about you, even though there might be plenty of evidence to the contrary. The next thing is neglecting responsibilities and personal care, such as bathing and grooming. So if you're just not taking care of your body anymore, you just don't care, you don't have that energy or that motivation to do it anymore, 
that's again a sign that you might be struggling with depression or that's a symptom that oftentimes goes along with depression. Just, you know, I don't care to cut my hair. You just let it go crazy. You're not bathing or you're just deciding not to take care of any of those personal hygiene aspects anymore because it just doesn't seem important to you anymore. Right. And in addition to hygiene and grooming, you might find it difficult to just meet your basic need of drinking water and eating and getting dressed for the day. And so really looking at your basic needs, that's a big area where you'll see the symptoms and it begin to affect your life. The next one is struggling with school or work performance, and this can lead to job loss or decreasing grades. One of the underlying problems I think that happens behind this is that when you're feeling depressed, your ability to think rationally and solve problems, to recall information, is all impaired. It's a more difficult task because your brain is really focusing more on your amygdala, that emotional processing center of your brain, versus the part of your brain that you use for school and work and you use to solve problems is your prefrontal cortex. And so when you're really feeling down and upset and depressed, your amygdala is running the show. And so that means that it's much more difficult to access the important information. Also, your prefrontal cortex, that's what's called your executive functioning part of your brain. It's a part of your brain that helps you to focus. And so if that one is inaccessible because you're feeling really upset and depressed, your ability to make yourself focus on a task is dramatically diminished. So in addition to just the actual functioning at work, you might even find lack of motivation to even get started on anything or just to complete your basic work duties, which this could lead to additional distress because maybe then your colleagues are starting to get frustrated with you or your boss is getting irritated with you or you're getting reprimanded or written up for not completing your duties. So it can really feel overwhelming when you're just trying to function and get out of bed in the morning. But on top of that, to have to go to work and do all the things you normally have to do. And then one of the things that ties to that is you begin to feel more and more critical of yourself, which then adds into the depression where you feel guilt and shame and condemnation. And then when you make a mistake, instead of being able to get up and move on, it's harder to get up and move past that mistake. And another part of the work aspect is just being able to connect with your coworkers. And maybe it's not even because, like I mentioned, they're frustrated or they're irritated because of the kind of work that you're doing at this time. But even just kind of that water cooler talk or the day-to-day pleasantries and social interactions, that just feels too much or like you're not even interested. So even if you're trying to show up, people notice that things are different. And then it's harder to connect with them or even having the desire to connect with them. And that leads us right into the next one, which is struggling with expressing emotions, which can lead to misunderstandings or conflict in our relationships. A part of what goes along with the struggle to express our emotions, I think, is when you're feeling depressed, you're already so low that spending the mental energy to really think and formulate a sentence to be able to express yourself to somebody is lacking, and that just becomes a bridge that's sometimes too difficult to cross. Or even having the emotional energy to be vulnerable with somebody, to express how you're feeling in that moment, can feel very daunting, because once you say something, then they may respond, and then that's going to force you then to say another thing in response. And if you're feeling so little energy to say it in the first place, having a full-on conversation can almost feel like an impossibility. Yeah, and to add to that, 
you're already having this conversation in your own head and you're berating yourself, you're being negative, you're being really hard on yourself. And so, of course, that's going to affect your mood. And in order to stop that conversation and go into a conversation with your significant other or your family and friends, that's going to carry over into it. And so depression can really have a stigma about it. So a lot of times people are feeling embarrassed. Or a big one that I see often is they don't want to burden the other person because everything that they're seeing to themselves, all the things that are happening in their head is so much for them and they don't want to put that on someone else. And so they just kind of bear it themselves and they go through it, which then makes it worse. And so when we're not expressing ourselves or telling our friends or family members or loved ones what's going on with us emotionally, a lot of times there can be these misunderstandings and then that causes additional conflict. And the problem with that is, even though it's hard to say something up front to be clear about what you need or how you're feeling, it actually can lead people then to make assumptions about what your needs are or how you're feeling and then cause additional unnecessary conflict between you and them. And then that feeds into the negative feelings that you're already experiencing. Right. And conflict on its own is hard. But then when you're already struggling with expressing yourself and being vulnerable and even having the energy to have this conflict... It can be so draining to have these conversations and to really work through conflicts. And the next one is a persistent sadness and lethargy associated with depression can really strain relationships. And some of this is what we've already talked about, being so lethargic and not having the energy to really engage in relationships. And then not being able to engage in maybe the joy and fun and happiness that others are experiencing. And so they kind of see you as a downer. And it begins to strain the relationship because maybe the other person has great intentions and they really are trying to help you or maybe they're trying to cheer you up. But we know that with depression, it's not just about cheering someone up, but because they have the best intentions and they're trying all of this and it's not working, they can begin to get frustrated and then take that out on you and back off, which then could cause more and more of the depressive symptoms. And I would say another area of this is in sexual intimacy. Because a lot of times when you have depression, there's a decrease in desire, both emotionally and physically. And then if you've had a relationship where sex was a big part of it, now this decrease in sexual intimacy can really impact the relationship. And I think this is one of the difficult parts about relationships is that sometimes you can run into situations where you have these kind of conflicting needs where one person needs one thing and another person needs kind of the opposite thing. And it's very hard to strike that balance and walk that tightrope. But it's very important for both sides to try. And it's not fair to ask a partner to say, hey, I need this need and I need to have this need met for months on end without the other person getting their needs met for months on end. It should be a, as much as you can try to meet your partner's need. And this is the hard part of the self-sacrificial aspect of being in an intimate relationship with somebody. It is unfair for you to expect your partner to go a long time without having a need met. And it is something that needs to be interchanged relatively frequently. Now, again, ideally, we don't want opposing needs for our partners, but sometimes it does happen for a time. And as quickly as we can get onto the same page where our needs are more in sync, it's important to try to do that. And another part of the lethargy that you can feel in depression is not wanting to do anything around the house which that could bring additional stressor to the household, to your spouse, because they can feel then like they are doing it on their own. 
and that they're carrying the household by themselves. And this is just like daily tasks. So doing the dishes, maybe helping with the kids, making dinner, putting the kids to bed. Those are all things that can add stress to a relationship if there's a sudden shift in the roles and it can feel unfair and overwhelming. And really the last point goes right along with that. If in your relationship you have kids, a lot of times your spouse not only feels like they have to pick up the extra burden and the extra weight around the house with household chores and duties and all of that, but also emotionally for the children. Maybe they can hear the kids asking you questions and you're just zoning out or ignoring them, or you don't have the energy to really engage. That other person often goes into this protective mode. And so they take on this role of wanting to help you and protect you from yourself and also wanting to protect themselves as well as the kids from the effects of depression. And so as we go through all of these different ways that depression shows up and affects relationships and work and family and friends, it is important to understand that depression doesn't happen in a vacuum, that it does have an impact on all of these things. And there's so many other ways that it can show up and affect your relationships and really impact things. But it's really important to just recognize what the impact is. And so you may not be experiencing any or all of these, but there are some impacts that you're experiencing. And so go ahead and write some of that down, journal, take notes in your phone, but figure out what is really happening and what areas of your life is it affecting so that as we move into getting help and treatment and seeking out support, you know exactly where you need that support. All right, we're going to stop there for today's episode. We hope you tune in to the next episode as we continue in this series on depression. And in the next episode, we're going to talk about solutions and how to get help for yourself, as well as how to help a loved one with depression. All right, you guys have a great day. And remember, your mind is a powerful thing. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. If you enjoyed this podcast or found it helpful, we'd love for you to take some time and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. If you have a question or topic you'd like discussed in future episodes, visit our Facebook group, Mr. and Mrs. Therapy Podcast, and let us know. Disclaimer, although we are mental health providers, this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide diagnosis or treatment. Please seek professional help if you're struggling with persistent mental health issues, chronic marital issues, or call the National Suicide Hotline at 988 if you are contemplating suicide.